Welcome to the Grazing Grass Podcast, episode 48. It's going to be hard, and that's okay, and that's a good thing. You're listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast, helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. And every episode features a grass farmer and their operation. I'm your host, Cal Hardich. On today's episode, we have Christian Carrion from Mexico. Christian talks about his journey to regenerative agriculture, some mistakes he's made along the way, and what he's learned. I think a lot of his mistakes you can relate to because we all make them. Before we talk to Christian, 10 minutes about my farm. Today, we are forecast to have rain. And when you're listening to this, it should be a little drier. It's still kind of cool. Uh, temperatures in the high uh, mid-50s on Fahrenheit. Love for that to get a little bit warmer. But I'm enjoying the journey. The green grass is really starting to green up and jump up. Let's talk to Christian. Christian, we want to welcome you to the Grazing Grass Podcast. We're glad you're here today. Hey, Cal. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Christian, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your operation? You know. The ranch started with my, my grandpa. He was a big-time rancher in the 70s, around the 70s, with him and his dad. And due to financial trouble and management of money, he started selling all the cattle. And there was a big, big part of a, a lot of years where there was no cattle in the, in the, in the ranch. And, and this is important because there's a, a loss of connection between me and cattle for about all of, uh, all of my life until five years ago. So we're, we're not per se a, a generational farm or ranch, but the ranch been, has been in the family for, for about three generations right, right now. So after 15 or 20 years, when my grandpa sold all his cattle, my parents bought, bought the ranch from him. And started to start their 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 cattle business as a side business or a hobby or something like that, and they they weren't a hundred percent invested in that. They 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 have a wholesale store, a big wholesale wholesale store here in, in Chihuahua. So that was what took most of the time. And through through the years, the 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 ranch or the herd size grew little by little, but most of the decisions were based on what the wranglers or the ranch foreman told them was best for the ranch. And, and through the years, they, they did learn a lot through reading and meeting new people that were in the cow industry and, and all of that. But it, as you can see, there's a little bit of, of space in between and communication with them and cows because a lot of people deal with cows since they're little and then they grow up uh, learning and learning more. You learn um, how to deal with cattle, how to read cattle, uh, how their body, or what you should do in certain situations, and we we didn't have that. So when I when I went into college, I started getting really interested in cattle and started getting involved in the ranch, which was not my plan before that. But I knew as I was getting involved with the ranch that I had to do something or make a change so that the ranch could provide for two families. Right now, I'm engaged 
So the ranch has to provide for my future family and for my parents, right? When I was thinking of, on what what I could do or what makes sense for the for the ranch to be more profitable, where where I where I just start thinking more cattle, right? But how are you gonna fit more cattle in your ranch if it's already full? Well, that was that was with traditional grazing that we used to practice. We did have a little bit of the three divisions, but three divisions on a 750-acre ranch was not going to make much of a difference. So one day I stumbled upon Alan Savory's Holistic Management TED Talk. And that when I heard that, that was music to my ears. Like, I liked everything from the, from the management to the biology to, the, to how it helps the environment to how we can help humanity with that. And I, I made a plan to get it started in the ranch. I started this year full-time. I used to work in my parents' wholesale store. I used to manage it. And uh, now I, I'm focusing 100% on here in the ranch. It's been about seven months that I started. I started probably on January or February. And it's been um, a hell of a ride. It's been hard. And, but we're seeing a lot of results. We're seeing our soils to get better. We're seeing more grass species from the start. Probably three, after three months, I started seeing results. But it's been a hard ride, totally. And a learning experience, especially because I didn't deal with cow from a day-to-day basis. So now being with cow every day, all day, it's been a real, really big learning experience. And I, I've enjoyed it a lot. Had a lot of troubles, but uh, that that just makes the the journey much much better. Yeah, and no matter what we're doing, we're going to have those areas of difficulties that we're going to have to grow through. So they're always going to be there, and hopefully, you can learn from them and continue on. So it was about five years ago when you saw the TED Talk by Alan Savory. No, it was it was probably three years ago. I don't know if the right word is life-changing, but around that time, probably was like 2015 or something like that, or 20, around those those years, it was, I was in a big dilemma because I was really into cattle, but at the same time, it was when all all the cattle accusations, the methane emissions and and pollution that it brought to the table that got me a really, really, really confused with that because I, I didn't want to affect the world in a negative way. And at the same time, I, I, I was in love with the cattle business oh, and, and, I, and I wanted to get into it. So when I, when I see how I could affect all carbon sequestration, covering soil, soil health, all that, how it, how it could affect possibly our world and, and create a better environment, I was really into it. So it was like everything, everything since I saw that TED Talk, Everything changed for me because everything made sense, like from the point of management and how it, it helped the soil and the earth and um, and how cows used to, well, no, not cattle, but how, what's it called, uh, how uh, bison and all that used to graze before. It made a lot of sense to me and how it worked and how, how it's the natural thing to do. So it, as soon as I heard that, I started, because I, before this, I've never heard 
before the tech talk, I have never heard anything about regenerative grazing or or holistic management or anything like that. So when I when I I hear the tech talk, I I got really invested in it. I started watching videos, reading. Um, I I got down to all the Ray Archuleta videos. Gay Brown, Gay Brown's book, Greg Judy, all of that. Jim Elizondo too, and and I stumbled upon your your podcast too, and I started hearing all your podcasts and and looking for more podcasts, more information. I just wanted to get every bit of information so that when I started, uh, I knew what to do. When I started, I realized I didn't know what to do, <laughs> and uh, and then I that I needed I needed the experience for that. And the the experience has has given me that extra bit of knowledge and that edge to to apply everything to the ranch. I think that's a very similar journey to a lot of people. Whatever that hook is that that opens our eyes to the possibilities, and then we start down that path of learning, and then we get started. And that's always a big thing: getting started. And you learn so much once you start that you can't learn from books but those books are invaluable for your growth and continued growth. Before we talk a little bit more about how you got started, let's talk about where you're located and what you're, you're running there, and then we will jump back and talk about how you got started. I'm in Chihuahua in the Chihuahua Desert grasslands. Right now, it's not much of a grassland because of, of all the degradation or the certification right but uh, we're get, we're getting there and it's municipality called Galeana it's in the middle of Chihuahua okay and for our listeners where on the map of Mexico would that be Chihuahua's right next to El Paso so it's just south of El Paso in that area yes it's next next to it so it, even though we're we're like 3 hours away from El Paso it it's a total different environment. El Paso is a desert for the most part, a lot of sand. And over here, well, there used to be a grasslands, and well, there's some some reservations, some grassland reservations over here, but uh, most of where people have cattle or graze, it's desertifying, and that's obvious consequence from traditional grazing, and you can really see it how different a ranch is. Just by watching what what the operation next to it is doing, how if they're doing a little bit of more, how the land can be a lot different. So, so when when you see what we're doing in operation and see the racks next to it, you could bet there were two different places in two different locations. That's the wonder of doing a a correct management or or a better management, right? About how much is your annual precipitation? It's about around 12 inches of rain. Probably a little bit more, but uh, almost nothing. Well, compared to a lot of people, right? Oh, yes. Yes, it is. And have you been in a, your area been in a drought for quite a while? Yes. What I've been seeing that's been happening is that um, the the rains are taking a little bit more to start. So when we usually see rain, about June. So now it's taking all the way to July to see heavy rain and sometimes August. So right now we got a little bit of rain in July 
but the heavy rains are are barely coming probably this week so they're taking a little bit longer so people are already accustomed to their management and uh given uh feed certain certain months and now where the where the rain is taking a little bit more to come you see people being really affected by that and it really affected us last year we gave tons of feed tons of feed and this year, I told my dad, we're not going to give, I'm not going to buy any feed because we're not going to give any feed. And that's, that's how it's going to be. And we haven't bought any feed. And actually, we produce uh, alfalfa bales. We used to. At least we used to. And, um, and this year, due to our, our aeration broke down, we didn't produce any alfalfa bales. We haven't needed them anyway. So that, that's been great, too. Oh, very good. And Christian, that really helps us to to hone in where you're located. And let's jump back just a little bit to so you gathered all this knowledge and you got started. So what was some of the first things you did on your ranch to get going? The first thing I think you have to do is figure out where you can get water to. And I think I and I say you think you got to figure out because I didn't realize that until I had my cow rounded up in the electric pen. So the first thing I did, I, I rounded them up. I, I actually rounded up years that, that we were going to export. I was like, okay, I have them in. Let's take water to it. Let, let's, let's get them some water. Because I, I thought it was going to be a piece of cake. I, I thought I was going to get that done in an hour. And one hour passed, two hours passed, three hours passed. And I, I couldn't get water to them because my hose wasn't big enough and the pressure wasn't enough. And all of those little details that you don't know until you start doing that, I found out in that second. It was really hard because in my mind, that was going to be the easy part. I was going to get water. How, how easy can it be? How hard can it be? Get, get some water to, to, your, to your cow, right? And I couldn't do it. My my hose wasn't big enough. I ended up laying my cow loose so they can go to the to the main uh, wire trot. I've had to use more than um, two thousand meters of a two inch hose, and I haven't even covered half of the ranch. So that takes a big toll on your on your pocket. And I'm doing that because I do most of the things by myself. So you you don't see that when you're, you're when you're starting and it, it takes a, a big toll on, on your mind because you, you're like, what is going on? What, what, why won't water get over here? Why isn't there enough pressure? That's one of the things that I have learned throughout this journey of how water works, how water travels, especially in, in, in a big area because it is a decently big ranch, especially for one person to handle all by himself. And after that is getting your, your, your electrical fences right. Because if you don't get them right, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have cow all, all over your ranch. And this comes for someone that had to round up his cow more than 50 times probably. Probably close to 80 times. When I was getting near where my cow were grazing, I started getting nervous every day. Because probably 90% of the time they were out when I was starting. And it was the little details that I was missing. And, and you know... I have this quote on my phone that I put it on my screensaver because that's what helped me figure out a lot of stuff. And, and, and it says, insanity 
doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Because that's, that's what happened with me. My cow will take down the fence. I would round them up pretty late and put the, the fence exactly as it was. And, and I said, this time it's going to be different. And this time it's going to be different. But I was doing the, the same exact thing. So how was, how was a different result supposed to happen? So that, that's really important, taking those little details. But once you get your, 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 your water, you figure out that where you can get water easily. And your fences, you get them right, how to do them right more than half the battle because now my my cow i don't even turn on my chargers and they won't get near that fence now i have trouble getting there over this fence if i ever lift my my line my poly my poly brake they won't go near it i I think that's the best scenario of the two of the two uh things that cap and or they get out or they respect it a lot so i rather them respect it a lot that me having to round up my cow every day you bring up a, two excellent points there that let's dive in a little bit deeper. So water, water's so vital to what you're doing and water's difficult. Well, water's easy in some ways to move it, but to move enough volume for the number of cows you have, that's a whole new di- dynamic there to get it to where you want it. And a lot of times when we're looking at land, and then we're planning paddocks or how we're going to move them. Water dictates so much of that. Yes. So what did you do to get water closer to your cows so that it's not so much work for you? The lack of connection between me and cow, that was one of, one of the points that I had to learn is how much water cows drink. You know, it's very different when you go one day every month to, to see cows to when you're dealing with them and actually see how much water they drink. Because when I started taking water to them, I was like, oh, they're just going to take a sip and that's going to be it. And cows drink a lot of water, especially in a drought season or a hot season. I didn't realize that until I started. For most of the, your listeners, going to be in... And something so clear to see but for me that especially that I wanted to start doing this as soon as I could is something that I didn't take care of and didn't plan carefully enough I, I, I did a little bit of research on my ranch to see where my highest elevation was and where my lower elevations were so I have a, a pivot irrigation system and I thought it was easier for me to get the use of that line to take water to a higher place, to the highest place I could. From there, I, I put a, a container tank, a water tank, and with gravity, I, I sent water as far as I could. And after that, I did um, some other weird stuff. I, I used even a submersible pump to pump water from a, from a container to another container that, that was far away and higher up the hill, something like that. But that was the first thing I did. And after that, I decided where I was going to graze and how I was going to take water to cows. And that was through, through two-inch hoses. So that container was hooked up to a two-inch hose. And a two-inch hose is it's, uh, it's good enough to take enough water for a water trough for the, for the cows. Also... What I figured out by that point is that air gets into hoses. And since my, my cows were drinking 
more water than my tank could handle and I couldn't get water fast enough in that tank, air was getting in to the, to the water line. And since there was air in the water line, my water truck wasn't, wasn't uh, pulling up fast enough and the cows were, were drinking water faster that, that the line could feed the water truck, you know? And I have never dealt with water lines or how much water cow drank all of that it was just a a big change that caused me tons of headaches and and even thinking thinking on like what what is going on what is is there like a sign that I, i'm not seeing that i shouldn't be doing this because you gotta imagine i get to the ranch all my cow they they got out i had to run them up and now i have to deal with water lines and they're they're not feeding enough water to my water trough. And then I see that the, the tank has water, but it's not filling up my water trough. So I was like, what is going on? And, and that, those are the things that with experience, you're, you're going you're gonna to have to figure out. Because I can't say exactly what someone should do, but until they're not put into that situation and see what, what happens when you actually do it, you, you don't know how to deal with it, you know? Because, you know... Marcos, he he was a guest of yours. He he's a friend of mine. Yes, and he he will explain it, and I'll be like, yeah, well, that's easy, and I, and I would try to do it, and and they work out for me, and that's where the experience comes in, and actually doing it for yourself, and and I say this because one of the things you don't see in the videos is that, or, or that people don't talk about it is that it's really hard. It can be it get it can get really hard. Some sort of aspect or something that you don't have experience with, you're gonna have trouble with that, and and that's okay. You just gotta figure it out and tough it out and figure it out and not do the same thing over and over again because you're gonna get the same result. Yeah, you you're exactly correct, Christian. Before I go on on that, uh, you mentioned Marcos. He was on episode nine. So if you haven't listened to episode nine. Hop on there and, and learn how he's grazing in the same general area as Christian. Christian, you talk about, you know, these videos, Instagram, we see everything and everything's just working so good, you know. I've heard so many people say it's the highlight reel. Yep. You know, it's it's looks pretty, all good. But, yeah, there's there's stuff we struggle with, and we have to share those struggles with other people. So they realize they're not, they're not alone in this. We're all trying to figure this out. So, and I appreciate you sharing your struggles with that. I also listen and read a lot about motivational books and all of that. And they all talk about the same thing that everything's hard, but uh, especially in these, these times with Instagram and all that social media, you get to see how pretty their cow looks or how uh, being their pastors look. And all that, and and that sometimes can bring you down, because like I'm trying to do everything right. I'm trying to work extra, do change from traditional, get out of the comfort zone. Because because if when we start doing this, we are helping out the world. We are regenerating land, and we're creating um from sequestration of carbon to healthier soils to healthier meat. All of that we're doing. All of that we gotta we gotta uh, acknowledge that we we can do that and we can make a big change 
But at that that point in time, I was like thinking, like I'm trying to do something something good. I'm trying to get better, and and I I can't do it. Like what's going on? And and the thing is that that happens to everyone, and and you gotta realize that and and handle it. it just just be better. Just get better every day. And, and and as soon as you get better every day, and realize that it's gonna be hard, and 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 it's okay for it to be hard it's good for it to be hard because that means you're doing something good the good things don't come easy especially if you're trying to do something like we're trying to do it's something relative new you don't see it much like over here if you, you speak to other people they reject you or they say that it's not going to work or they don't practice that kind of management so probably not even 10 percent of, of farmers are regenerative so I don't know the exact percentage, but you you know that not even uh ten percent of the food we consume is regenerative. So it's uh, kind of like an, a new thing. It's getting back to our roots, but uh you you gotta know it's hard and it, and it's okay to be hard, and we just gotta tough it out and figure it out. Be smart about it. I completely agree. And and speaking of hard things or things that took a little while, let's talk about your electric fencing woes that you had for a while. How did you start getting your cows to stay in so when you showed up, they were where they were supposed to be? Well, first off, I, I started with polywire and changed to polybreak. They just blew past by it. They wouldn't see it. And I would well would recommend if you're using polywire, use white polywire because the yellow one, you can't see it. And if you can't see it, cows can't see it, you know? So the first thing I started... You've seen everything straight lines because I figured out that straight lines is what works best. And um, sometimes I would do corners with the same same wire, same poly braid, and somehow round things don't work. I just use one reel. Like if I'm doing this, I, I do rectangles. So I use one different reel for each side. And that's that's what I found to work best. And And also, I was having a, a, a really hard time on hanging my reels. I started using one-inch fiberglass posts. I changed everything to fiberglass posts because I started, I, I, when I started out, I used the, the rods, the 3.8 rods, and I used to use insulators with it. One of the bad things about insulators is that you get that friction with your wire, and it, and, and it helps it pop once you get a little bit of pressure. Also, the the steel rods they once there's a little bit of pressure, they they bend, so that's that's not good. Your your poly wire is gonna start slipping out. Another problem you can experience with that is that your wire touches your steel rod and you get a, a ground. Your wire gets grounded, and when you're starting, it's really important that your cows get shocked. And like I said before, now. I only need to turn in my turn on my charger, and they're gonna respect that line. So that's really important for me. I changed my my steel rods to fiber to three eight fiberglass rods. I found out that you don't need more than that four feet of four feet tall ones, because at first I bought six feet tall ones, and they ended up cutting them out. Oh yes. I started using the yellow Kenko ones, and I I don't want to say anything against Kenko, but they break really easily. So I started using Power Flex fiberglass rods. 
they're gray. I found out that they're really resistant, so they're flexible. They won't bend like a like a steel rod. Imagine I'm all excited because I ordered my fiberglass rod and I ordered my new poly braid because I used to use poly wire and I ordered my 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 reels because before my reels my my gear reels I used to use those like extension cord reels. You know the orange ones you use for the extension cords. I used to work with those, <laughs> and that was not easy. I imagine trying to pick up 200 meters of poly wire with an extension cord reel. That's no easy job. Oh, no, it wouldn't be. And as soon as they get in, I figured out your fiberglass rods don't come with the clips. So if you're going to order your fiberglass rods, remember to order your clips because you're not going to be able to use them. <laughs> See, those are all the things that come up with experience. Yeah, I'm sure that a, a geared reel versus those extension cord deals is a big difference. And then your fiberglass, you were talking about using the steel ones. If a cow does hit your fence with those steel ones and it gets that poly wire, poly braid over against it, you've grounded out your fence. So I can see how the fiberglass helps you greatly and getting you on the right path. So with your fiberglass pose, you're using an insulator as well, or how are you hooking the wire to them? The clips are really nice because you just put your wire in it, and it doesn't pop back up. By you doing it with your hand, you can easily get it out, but with pressure, it doesn't pop out or anything because with the insulators, sometimes you'll get that that polybrate or that wire that you use to just pop out of there. Or... Or even if, if you get pressure from cows, you're going to see your insulator flying 10 feet over you. So <laughs> another bad thing about insulators. And the clip holds on really tight to, to your fiberglass. So with your fiberglass, the, the most essential thing, in my view, is that the first thing you need to do is lay out your, your poly braid or your wire, whatever you use, do it in a straight line. And then after that, put your rod. Because... Once you put your 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 wire and you put a little bit of pressure, you're going to see how your fiberglass is going to start to bend. Very good. Christian, I was trying to pull up here. I pulled up the PowerFlex website. Are you using the SunGuard fiberglass pole? Yeah, the, those ones are the, the ones I use. I think four feet are enough. I have big frame cow. I use a Brangus breed, so they're kind of big. And, and I found out that four feet are, are enough. Oh, yeah. And you bring up an interesting topic there. For your cattle, you're using Brangus cattle? Yes. So when my, when my parents started, uh, a Brangus movement started around here in Chihuahua and North and other parts of Mexico or in the U.S. But Brangus started really getting big over here. That was because they had a, a big frame. So Brangus is 3-8 Brahman, which is a breed they use mostly in Latin America, South America. Because of its resistance to heat, and it tolerates heat really good, and and parasites, and in its fifth eight Angus. So with the fifth eight, eight Angus, you get that quality meat, and then you get really strong mother instinct. So when that kind of like uh, movement started over here, my my parents got into Brangus cattle, and uh, ever since we we've been using it. We don't have any trouble with them. I just don't like the big frame. So what we, we started to do is we 
we started to adapt our, our breed to it having a smaller frame, being a shorter cows and more stocky. So what, what we did what we did was we bought a shorter bull and all of the big cows that we have, we, we started selling them and got, getting rid of them. So we, we're, we were currently on the process, process of adapting our, our breed and making it a little bit shorter. And I think around the Brangus community, there's most people are doing that. They're figuring out that a bigger frame consumes more more grass, and you only produce one calf as any other cow does. So that from that point, it makes sense to to better your breed and and make it shorter. I think I see that happening in a lot of breeds at moderation, but you do bring up a good point that when you're selecting your bulls. You've got to make sure you're finding a bull that fits what you're wanting. Rather, and I know most people in our our circle are not show people, but show people's got one list of criteria. You're doing regenerative ag, you've got a different list. A traditional rancher in my area has a different list. So you've got to make sure you get a animal with genetics that's going to work for you. Yes, but I I think it, it mo- it's mostly has to do with adaptation. Yes, you can get your cow to adapt, and and I know there are certain breeds that will work better on on certain areas, and that makes total sense. But even though you get that breed for that certain area, you have to adapt it to to whatever you're doing. So it's not just buying that breed that works that works in your area it's adapting it to your situation to your grasses because we have a another ranch in and that's more in in la sierra de chihuahua which is mount, mountainous region so if we take a cow from this region it's just 30 minutes away you know five kilometers away of difference and if you take a cow that we graze over here in uh, in the grassland and take her over to the mountain it, it's going to die because it's not adapted its body to to that certain region, and it's the same temperature for the most part. You get the same humidity, you get similar grasses and everything. It's just the the change of terrain. So what we do is we send the heifers over to the to the mountain when they're at that age where they can adapt, and they adapt their body. They change it completely to the ones that we have over here in the grasslands. You you can see it. You you can see their legs being way stronger. Their their bones and everything toughens up because they have to be up in the mountain, going up to eat and coming down to get water from the river and all that adaptation and you adapting your cow for what you want. Probably eighty percent of it. The breed can be, to my view, it can be twenty percent of it. Because I think if someone that really knows well how to do how a ranch will can get probably most of the breeds that are, that are around here and make them work on, on a certain area. Very good. Very good. Christian, when we think about what you're going, what you're doing on your farm, where do you see, see it going in the future? You know, Cal, I'm really ambitious. Um, I have a vision of what I want the ranch to, to be. Honestly, I see 50,000 head herd. If you ask me what I want, that's I, I, I want to keep growing. And, and, and you know, we all as regenerate farmers, I think we have to have those kind of visions because that, that just means that we're helping out the world. 
as I said before, soil health, carbon sequestration, cleaner air, all the good stuff that comes with the regenerative grazing and the re re regenerative ag. And we're, all we are doing is helping out the environment, our ecosystem, and producing uh, quality food. That's one of my one of my main goals to keep producing quality food and keep helping out the environment. But we can't do that, I and mean, we can we can't affect the world that much if we stay small. So I'm really ambitious with my dreams. I have a big vision for for the future of the ranch, and that's where where I want to grow it. And it makes sense that once you get your 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 ranch to be really profitable you for you to start growing. As I said before, last year we bought tons of feed. Tons and tons. And this year we haven't used diesel. We haven't used the feed. We haven't used our, our time to do all those things. And 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 that little chain starts getting bigger and bigger and that's where you see your ranch being more profitable. And then you get to the point where where you have to increase your herd size, and then you start growing, and then probably you buy another ranch, or probably you start renting out some other properties, and that starts escalating. It's gonna be like a big snowball. I'm big on that, but before that, anything that happens, we gotta work hard, and we gotta make things very correctly, and focus on the details. Oh, I think that's excellent. You know, for some people, they want to stay the size they are. They they want to do what they can do and not, not continue to grow. And there's certain good things about that, but also there's good things about having an ambitious goal like that. You know, you put it out there and you're heading for it. And the great thing is, even if you don't make, just think how far you will have gone. So I like your ambitious goal and I think you'll do great. Like I mentioned before, I, I listen to a lot of motivational stuff. I, I listen to a lot of entrepreneurs that are doing it big and, and are uh, sharing their, their experiences and everything. And one of them said, uh, if you're not growing, you're dying. That, that can be a little bit harsh to say. But uh, so if you're not taking over and growing and being better and, and doing everything to be excellent and, and grow your business, somebody's going to take over it over your spot we gotta think about it that way too we gotta we gotta fight for what we re we want and also one of the problems that i see cal is that most people see the, their ranch as a as a lifestyle which it is but it's also your business and so that's why you gotta take the business approach to it because it is a business that's where that's where you get your money from that's where you get your food from and everything so we we gotta see the business side uh of it too, so that we can survive and so that we can be better every day. Exactly right. If we're if we're not profitable and being successful at the business of our farm, our farm will cease to exist. Christian, I've really enjoyed our conversation thus far, but it's time we transition into our famous four questions we ask every guest. Same four questions. We ask everyone, and we kind of stole the idea from the Bigger Pockets podcast. Mm -hmm. And our first question is, what's your favorite grazing grass-related book or resource? The Holistic Management by, by Alan Savory. It made a lot of things clear for me. I, I didn't read before this year. I started reading books, and that was one of the, of the ones that I, that I read. And I figured out that there's a lot of information in books that, that you cannot find videos. 
So that one really changed things for me. But I would also recommend Sacred Cow by Dana Rogers. She's a really big advocate on, on healthy meat, regenerated ranching, and all the how it, it affects. And I would really recommend for, for all of your listeners to look at that book, to read that book, because it explains a lot of things that we don't realize as farmers from the meat and the health point of view. And she has a lot of great info on Instagram and all that. And, and I really like that book. Oh, very good. I'm trying to think if I've, I think I've heard of the book. I have not read that book. So very good. My wife will be excited. I have another book to read. Yeah, you should really look into that one. She puts all, all her diagrams that she puts on, that, that are on the book. She puts on Instagram. She dissects, dissects them a little bit. And I, I learned a lot about cattle with that, with that book. Yeah. Oh, great. I will have to look her up on Instagram. And for everyone else, we will put links in our show notes so you'll have access to this information as well. Our second question, what tool could you not live without on your farm? Every time I listen to your podcast, I think to myself, this one tool, and it's my Leatherman knife, so useful for, for every situation. I'm actually done that. I probably never heard anyone say that. But is that it's like you have your knife, you have your your pliers, you have your wire cutters, you have your uh, your screwdriver, all of that. Very good. I have not. I'm trying to think back. I don't know that I've used one or even have one, but I've heard of different people really love theirs. There's different brands, but the it's the it's the same concept, which which you have pliers in your and your and your pocket practically and you have your knife and you have different sizes of knives and and all that it's probably the tool i use the most in the ranch or or, or that gets me out of a sticky situation oh yes our third question what would you tell someone just getting started and i think we covered a little bit of that but what would you tell someone it's gonna be really hard it's gonna be hard and that's okay and that's a good thing but the other thing, as we mentioned, is that, quote, don't do things over and over again because you're going to get the same result. So try to figure out what's the little thing that, that, that you're doing wrong and you're going you're gonna to see different results. Very good, Christian. And Christian, where can others find out more about you? I have my Instagram page, 12 Ranch. I mostly put stories because I don't have a lot of time to make a good post. But what I'm trying to do is put every single detail of the things that I use and do on the ranch that affected me while, while I was getting started. So I'm, I'm trying to put a, every de little detail on my electric fences, on what brands I use, on what uh, strategies I use and all that. I'm going to put that little by little. I want people to learn from my mistakes and to actually get their operation, get started faster than I did. Because if I would have known all of this before, I would have saved a lot of money and I would have saved a lot of time. Very good. I encourage everyone to go check out his Instagram and we'll have a link in the show notes. Christian, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing about your journey thus far. And we wish you luck in the future. Thank you very much, Cal. And thanks for inviting me. Had a really fun time with you here. You're listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. And every episode features a grass farmer and their operation. 
You can find the Grazing Grass podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we encourage you to share our post. Are you a grass farmer? Would you like to share on the podcast about your journey and what you're doing on your farm? Go to grazinggrass.com and click on the Be Our Guest link. We are looking for grass farmers. Until next time, keep on grazing grass. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I know I did. Thank you for listening. And if you found something useful, please share it. Share it on your social media. Tell your friends. Get the word out about the podcast. Helps us grow. If you happen to be a grass farmer and you'd like to share about your journey, go to grazinggrass.com and click on Be Our Guest. Fill out the form and I'll be in touch. We appreciate your support by sharing our episodes and telling your friends about it. You can also support our show by buying our merch. We get a little bit back from that. Another way to support the show is by becoming a Grazing Grass Insider. Grazing Grass Insiders enjoy bonus content, monthly Zooms, and discounts. You can visit the website, grazinggrass.com, click on support, and they'll have the links there. Also, if you haven't left us a review, please do. It really helps us as people are searching for podcasts. And I was just checking them, and we do not have very many reviews for 2024. So if you haven't left us a review, please do. And until next time, keep on grazing grass.